presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil Country Podcast presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. As always, I am your host, John. Joining me in just a minute from Montreal, Quebec is Kyle. Um, before we get going here, I just wanted to give a quick shout out and mention about that Alley Cat code word. If you go in there in Edmonton, Alberta, into their brewery, use the code word THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. That's THPN and you'll get 10% off your bill. Just mention that to any of the servers or waitresses, bartenders there. Um, we do have a text line as well that we're going to read out a question that I'm going to throw Kyle on the spot and tell him about before, but, um, our text line number is 587-415-2894. That's 587-415-2894. Text into the show and we will read any questions or comments you have on the next episode. Speaking of the person that texted into us, congrats to Shane Van Nice for winning our network's hat giveaway through our Twitter. It's a pretty dope hat, and he tweeted out to us today saying he received it, so all is good there, and uh, obviously thanks to the network boys, Isha and Dylan, for providing that hat for us too, to uh, to give that away to one of our listeners, um, but uh, yeah, without further ado, I'm going to bring in Kyle here. Kyle, how's it going, dude? Pretty good, my man. I just finished smashing a bunch of cabbage rolls and some sausages, so uh, I'm Ooh. nice and full. I might have a couple burps this episode, but uh, but it was it was good for <laughs> Didn't have like a nap halfway through. Oh, maybe, dude. It was it was heavy, but I, but I'm a happy boy right now. So yeah. <laughs> you always say you're a happy boy, and it creeps me the fuck out. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that's that's what I'm here to do, man. So all good. Yeah, that's your number one priority, hey. Well, the uh, let's get into this Oilers this Oilers talk. Obviously, we are going to recap that four three loss to Chicago the other night, as well as whatever outcome we get against Columbus. Kyle and I are recording this segment before that game, so we're not too sure yet. But we'll be chatting about that later on in the episode. Obviously, talking about the kind of weird line combinations going on with Tippett as well. And Josh Archibald resigned, so we're going to quickly talk about that a little bit. But stay tuned, everybody. We're going to get right into it here. Okay, this question is from contest winner Shane Van Nice, like I mentioned. He said, how much better do you see McDavid getting? Around how many points do you think he's his max might be in a year if he plays the full 82? And we had already kind of talked about the max point totals like many, many episodes ago. I've always I've always said that I think he will for sure get 170 to answer the point total question. I think he could easily crack 200, though. And especially when you look at, like, you look at the others this year and that second line that is getting taken apart tonight for some silly, silly reason. But anyways, I shouldn't say that because I don't know how it's going to work out. But if that second line rolls and we can actually have two other players develop into optimal line mates for Connor... There's no reason why he can't crack 200. And honestly, I'll say, I mean, this kind of is easy to say with how the year he's had, but I'll say the same thing about Leon. Like that two-headed monster, if they get two lines that are both as lethal as that, I just don't know how you defend it. So it's a stretch to say both those guys are going to stay healthy for a full year and and roll like that, but I think it's possible. Um, As far as Connor's ability personally... I don't, 
you obviously can't really expect him to get faster. I like for the rest of the defensemen in the NHL, I hope not anyways, for their sake. But I think you saw him get stronger this year. And so I think that'll continue. I mean, he's still what, 23. So, I mean, he's still gonna, like, he's kind of done growing obviously, but he's still going to bulk up, I guess is what I'm saying. And obviously get those off season training in. I'm really curious you know, knock on wood after last year, spending so much time rehabbing. I'm curious the Connor we see next fall. Cause I think after a full summer of training again, and after Leon presumably wins the heart, not to say Connor will be pissed about that, but I think he'll have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I think you're going to get a fierce Connor that's putting his stamp, you know, as best player in the world back on the league. And rant. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anybody who didn't listen to when me and John were saying that, I, I think my top line guess was around 210. But I was trying to go way out of the park with that. I I think that seeing McDavid on ice, how much better is he going to get? Like, I, I'm going to agree with what John said there. Like, it's, it's going to be his line mates are going to have to improve, right? But if that was to happen... Like, again, I think he's going to put up that 150 to 180 point range year after year. I, I He's been injured for, I mean, again, it's only been two weeks this season uh, or or around that point. But but still, what he's he's still leading this third player in the league by three points at this point. And behind Dreisaitl, who he'd be keeping up with, and they'd be 20 points ahead of anybody else in the league right now. To think that that's not going to continue to grow and they're not even in their true prime yet. like, And not to take anything away from dry there, Kyle, but like, also look at the line mates McDavid's been playing with since that second line got assembled. Like you see Nuge is coming up like we mentioned tonight, but it is one of those things too. And I'm not, I'm not like making excuses for McDavid's production because it's still godly or, you know, trying to take anything away from dry saddle. But so what do you think? Like one of the things like I'm, so I mentioned the, like his strength, really, what do you think McDavid could actually improve on like defense? So I think that like, as far as IQ, not that I think his defense is that bad. He actually made a really nice play. I believe it was against Chicago, wasn't it? Where he came back and stopped pretty much a guaranteed goal there. Um, sorry for not having the specific example there, but I think he could get better on that. Anything else in your opinion? I mean, he's got the speed. He's got the shooting. He has the passing. He's got the hands, right? Like, I, I agree with you. I think the defense is the the one thing that's lacking. His face-offs could probably get better, but he has been improving over the years. For sure. Um, and that, that just comes with time and experience and strength. Like, that's a tough skill. As well as a center, right? Like, filling out your body. Like, is a lot of being a center is your size. So... I don't know. I, I think he's going to improve again on his defensive side too with having line mates that he can trust so that he can back check properly instead of also having to be the main four checker on a line. Um, luckily, a lot of that's come off with Ennis or, or even this year, just Cassian being on his wing, right? But uh, he's always had to be that guy that's that's playing everywhere on the ice. And if he's able to back check properly and be able to pick off some passes and, and start offensive rushes going the other way that way. I think that will be the next step in his game. Um, but for that to happen, obviously, you know, moves need to be made. 
or or just development with NFC. I think he should get better at fighting. Yeah, yeah. Break his hand again, just like in juniors. Uh, No. (laughs) Knock on wood. (laughs) That's two knock on woods already this episode. Um, Let's. uh, But yeah, thank you very much for that question, uh, Shane. And uh, yeah, everybody keep them on coming. We love answering those questions. Um, But let's move on to that Chicago loss. It, It was a frustrating game in the sense. I don't think the Oilers played like terribly. I don't think it was one of those things where they like fully, fully played down to someone's level. Cause even though the standings aren't great, I think Chicago is actually a decent team, but I think that's the second time I've said that this year after Chicago losses. I, I mean, quite honestly, I think Chicago was the better team. The majority of that game. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. Like a, apart from the first 10 in the last like 12 minutes, Chicago was the better team. The Blackhawks are a better team than people give them credit for, even though they're last in the central right now. Um, and that sounds weird to say, uh, standing wise, right? But they're still for a sure. tough team to play and to throw them to the side is, is kind of a joke. Like I, I look f- forward to playing Los Angeles before I look forward to playing Chicago, right? But they're in the same place technically in their division. Um, but they're not the same team at all. LA has won five in a row now. There you go. Same thing, right? But uh, (laughs) I do think the one thing with the Oilers, that game, though, is like they definitely played poorly on defense, which Clefbaum is coming back tonight, which is pretty freaking huge. I couldn't wait for that guy coming back. We're going to talk more about that on get into the power play here. But I think the biggest thing was is like the Oilers just gave the skill players of Chicago way too much time and space in their defensive zone. It just comes from players being out of positional lineup where they should be right i mean we've talked about uh like i I don't want to throw on nurse again whatever right but uh but he's he's a great top four defenseman not a great top two right like clef is going to help figure out that defensive situation for everybody involved not that he had a bad game necessarily or anything but just as a whole having clef back is going to re-rotate the amount of minutes just on ice. players to get back. Yeah, and, and put them back to where they're comfortable playing, right? And not having to overexert themselves or play against players that they're um, not necessarily comfortable playing, but just players that are maybe one step above them, right? But uh, yeah, I, I think it's only going to get better here, time going. For sure. I think the biggest thing with me with Clefbaum coming back is I'm excited to not see Nurse on the power play. And I like we've said it a ton of times. I know we rip on Nurse, and I, I do like him as a player. But my biggest takeaway watching the power play was Nurse just doesn't have the like anticipation or IQ on the point to cover clearing attempts. Like You see how many times Clefbaum makes a right read and races over to the boards of whatever side it is and keep the puck in and keep that momentum. And I can't remember how many times over this last little stretch we saw, you know, a good power play going on from the Oilers and good pressure. And then there's just a little clearing attempt and it goes around the boards and Nurse is like in the middle of the ice. And it's like, I'm not, he he's put in a, a situation where he's not fully comfortable. I'm not ripping on him. It's just, he doesn't have the skill set to like really, really you No, know, I was going to say, which too, is too right? bad because Nurse actually could be quite the power play asset, right? Like he has the shot, um, at least well enough, right? Like he can place it well. He has a good wrist shot. He's going to say, does he? It's, <laughs> it's not a boomer, but he's smart with where he shoots, right? And he's not bad with his passing in the offensive zone. It's his defensive passing that's the issue. And it's just his line play exactly is what kind of limits him 
there. Obviously, Clef Bomb is a much improved option, but like if it wasn't for the holding the puck in, I think Nurse actually isn't like a really bad second option. No, and I think it's like the other thing is, is what would he be like if he got a year there, mm-hmm. right? Or half a year, mm-hmm. right? Like get a little more comfortable. I do think my big thing with Nurse as far as the shooting goes is his choices of when to shoot is my question, right? Like Clefbaum looks so assertive and knows when to shoot the puck. He might shoot it high and wide most of the time, but he knows when to shoot it. And that's just a little rip on him. I mean, he's pretty good at setting up guys for tips, but you know, that was one of the things, but specifically to the Chicago game, I I really thought Smith played well, to be honest. Like he came up with some big stops regularly to stop that game from getting ugly in the first and second breakaway saves on Kane and Taze and the goals he gave up. Both of DeBrinckit's were heavily, heavily screened and very well-placed shots by DeBrinckit, him making us pay for for passing on him in that draft. And then one with Kane with a ton of time and space where he just waited out the whole defense and Smith. And then the one kind of clusterfuck where our spacing on that was so atrocious, the Kajula through the slot pass to a guy completely unaccompanied to, I guess it'd be Smith's left. And then kind of a, a dribble rebound and then Taze gets the wraparound when Smith is out because he has to pressure that, you know, unaccompanied player. So I'm not saying he played like superb, superb. He definitely didn't steal us the game, but I, I just felt bad for him. I felt like our D really hung him out to lunch. I understand why Tippett brings in Koskin in there to, you know, try and light a fire a little bit under the boys, but I, I really felt bad for Smith that night. I don't disagree with you or Tippett. I think that both you said slash did the right thing right like uh yeah smith i obviously how would you not go with him with how haughty he's been and and yeah i'm on your side right like the the oilers were not defensively responsible the other night against chicago and that's not the goaltender's fault so yeah no i'm on smith's side man i've totally swung around on smith by the way um i i I'm very happy that he's limited his uh, his emotional outbursts, and it's not become that. It's just become straight swagger, and I love his swagger yeah. now. Like he he kind of almost knows that he has a couple rookie defensemen in front of him, and I think that he's been a huge part of that locker room. If I was to guess, um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of guys on that in that team that have talked about. Smith being like a very good leader. Yeah. Like, and you can see it on the ice. The, his, the way the that his, uh, his yeah. persona has changed. Like I was very, very worried about him coming to this team and I have not seen any sort of like snap back at the defenseman for letting in a goal. He, he gets frustrated. You can see that, but it, he has not like talked shit at least visibly to his players. Changing paces a little bit here, Kyle. Yes. How about that pass from Cassie into Archibald on that two on one? That thing was filthy. <laughs> I don't really have any like analysis or breakdown there. I just like, I wanted to like acknowledge it because it was so gross and nice to see Cass getting, you know, involved on the offense. I think that that lines look like interesting for sure that, uh, Shahan Archibald Cassian line and, and they made a good play as far as neutral zone checking there to get the turnover and then create the two on one going the other way. I, I did really like the, the fight back, but it was just a little bit too little, you know, too late at that point in the game with 12 minutes left by the time Cass made that pass to Archibald. But one of the things that I really, you know, I kind of talked about it on Twitter a little bit and I I really think Tippett is a great coach 
And I think he's made like just some great moves and decisions this year. He's like a, no, you know, argument there. I'm not. Are gonna you about to shit talk to right like, now? A little bit. Are you serious? Okay. It's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like I, I need to like establish this that like I fully acknowledge that that dude has forgotten more about hockey than I will ever know. So I'm not trying to, you know, I don't know what's going on behind the 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 room there, but so a couple of decisions I question. So the Dallas game, we definitely get heavily outplayed, but we still win. We win three in a row, and then we go into Chicago and he completely mixes up the lineup. And it's one of those things like I get the Dallas kind of like almost disappointment and like you squeaked out two points there. But at the same time, I think they were coming off a second half of a back-to-back, and I think it was more fatigue compared to, like, effort or actual play in that Dallas game. And the boys did lock up in front of Koskinen when they needed to. Obviously, Koski was a huge reason why they won that. How much of it do you think is, like, Tippett, uh, quote-unquote, disciplining the players and shaking up the lineup that way? As much as it is after the trade deadline, he's trying to find a lineup that actually clicks. Because... Although people want to see NSU and NS on the first line because that's what was first thrown out there. Like, why does that have to be set in stone? People are already complaining about the lineup tonight into the Blue Jackets. And I'm not going to, sorry, go deep into it. I know you still have a point to make. But, like, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Cassian up on the top line. Like, isn't that a line that people wanted to see play, like, at the end of last season going into this season? Nuge has done fine. For sure it was. And, And although it's breaking up the second line, maybe Ennis works on that line as well. Right. I don't have as much of an issue there, Kyle. My big thing is how he mixed the lineup going up into Chicago. And I don't want to shit on James Neal at all because I, I like James Neal. But James Neal on the first line was a boneheaded decision by Tim. Because he's like, on the fourth line this game. No, I think he's noticed that. But sorry, agreed. For agreed sure, with but that. The, move. But like, yeah. why? He was on the fourth line before. Like, why? I don't understand, like, why you do that. So I'm trying to think of other reasons. Like, one, obviously, is like you're trying to get Neal going. But let's let's realize and like tip it even with his loyalty to neil and everything else he knows he's not good he five on five and he's good on the power play he's yeah. not so and, and this is the thing it's not even that he's bad five on five it's that he's not a top line player at five on five and it's not even i'm not even talking production wise i'm talking his play style mm-hmm. he's too slow he, he just doesn't have that in his game anymore the game's getting faster and he's getting slower and that's completely fine i'm not not ripping on neil at all but like look at this at five on five this year, with any line mates, this is just total. Neil has six goals and five assists, which is fine. Five on five production for a bottom six winger chipping in, right? He spent approximately a third of that five on five time with McDavid. Of those seven goals and five assists, he has one goal and two assists with McDavid at five on five. And it's like McDavid doesn't even make Neil better. Because Neil doesn't have the appropriate play style to actually get elevated by Connor. So it just makes no sense. And like, if you want to get Neil going, give him more power play time. That's actually where he succeeds. And accept that at five on five, he's a third or a fourth line guy that's going to chip in maybe 10 goals a year at five on five. And that's fine. Like, that's awesome. So, I, I mean, I, I maybe I was more pissed off and like I should have just... I wasn't even really mad about the game result with Chicago. I was mad about that. I was mad about Athanasiu getting bumped to the fourth, where I understand exactly what you're saying, Kyle. Like you got these new guys in and you're trying to find chemistry. But 
he, he's not a fourth line player. Like for sure. And, he's and not, maybe yeah. he's sending him a message with the defensive, like the lacking defensively. He took a penalty in the Dallas game. Like maybe he's sending him a message and he did end up coming up, up the lineup later on in the game and actually played with McDavid. But I just don't think you're putting a guy like that in a, a situation to succeed. So like that was my biggest gripe. The other thing is, and I'm not, this isn't even a hindsight thing because Smith played well, but everybody heard on Twitter and Reddit throughout that day that in the morning skate, Smith took a weird shot underneath his blocker on his finger and like immediately went off the ice. Now he came back. It was obviously just a stinger, but with that, you have 15 games left at that point, And Smith is as of right now is looking like your guy heading down the stretch. And you just have Koskinen coming off one of his best performances of the year at Dallas. I like, I know Smith wants to play. I know he's competitive, but you're the coach play Koskinen. And I don't think that had an impact on the game at all. I just think as far as like player management, I, I question that decision. That being said, I'm not in the room. I maybe Smith literally cracked a fingernail. Like I, I don't know the details. Obviously he wasn't hurt. He played well and didn't look like he was in any pain. I just, it, it was, I was looking at these decisions like unfolding throughout the day and I, and I it confused me is my point. But shitting on Tippett is over for me. I think he's a great coach. He knows way more, and I'm sure he had his reasons, but I'm just kind of airing what I kind of figured. But like when you look at, I'll, I'll turn something to you, Kyle, here. When you look at heading down the stretch lineup-wise, you have 14 games left going into the Columbus game tonight. If you're Tippett, other than obviously like making the playoffs and winning, when you look at your lineup, what's what's your priority? Like, what's your first priority there? What do you want to figure out in that lineup? I want to figure out how to get my first, aka almost the second line going. The line with McDavid, right? Completely agree. And when you look at that, like, I'll, I'll say one thing, and I'm curious if you agree with me. So let's just assume we're obviously going to talk, I'll, you know, we'll talk about it later on in the episode after we've seen the Columbus game. But let's just assume the second line gets reunited, where Anuj eventually goes back down with Dry and Yamamoto, or up, however you want to look at it. So you have two vacancies next to Connor. Other than Athanasiu, Cassian, Archibald, and Ennis, is there really any options, assuming you keep that second line together? <sighs> like Shahan's not going up there because he's anchoring your third. You're not moving Kara up there because he's... They're yeah. trying to get him to anchor the fourth and or even I just mean, do anything. Yeah, I just don't think yeah. that's an option. Uh Haas isn't really an option. I mean, I really don't I don't mind the the move tonight, but yeah, if it doesn't click, uh like there is nothing. It's the same players you're rotating through. Like, yeah. It, well, and that's exactly it, where it's like and you made a good point where it's like Tippett's trying to figure out the lineup, and I get that. But it's like any two players other than those four or maybe Nygaard when he comes back playing with Connor in these last 14 games, I don't know what you're accomplishing. Like, what what are you accomplishing with that? You, you've got 14 games to figure this out for your top six without trying to mess up the way the bottom six has been playing. So, like, personally, as well as I think Archibald's played up there, I think I'd like to keep Archibald and Shahan together. I agree. They should and be our third line. either Cassian or Ennis or Athanasiu being that other winger on the third line and the other two guys are up. Like, And there's your top nine. And I, I just feel like when you're bringing these new guys in, Athanasiu and Ennis got 
one game fully with them, and then they had the shitty Vegas game with Connor. And then Athanasiu got banged up with his hamstring and came back quite quickly and hasn't really gotten back up there. Ennis has been on and off. Like, I, I just don't understand why you don't give those guys more time. Like, let's not pretend that Connor McDavid is an easy player to play with. Like, he is the fastest player in the world. And although he gives you a lot of advantages and, and raises the game of line mates, you also need to know how to play with him and develop chemistry. So... Like, there's a reason why Drysaddle and him were so money together. And, like, those guys knew each other like the back of the hand. Like, let some of these other guys actually establish, you know, some chemistry with them. And I like that Cassian's back up tonight. Like, I'm not trying to poo poo all these decisions. I'm just, it's just confusing to me. Much as it might piss people off, you know what I would kind of like to see? What's that? I'd like to see Yamamoto get his, another chance with McDavid and Cassian sit with Drysaddle. Yeah. I know that the dry settle Yamamoto connection has been absolutely fire, but Cassian has had two goals in his last 20 games now. And I know I said another podcast ago, but that's exactly since he got taken off of the line with McDavid, dry settle and Cassian. That's a really good point. Why not give him the chance with dry settle again? That was after Cassian. That was after Drysaddle dropped because Cassian. That's, still what, that's what I'm saying. Drysaddle came off the right. wing. Sorry. And McDavid and Cassian were still together. And that's when his scoring drought started right why not give Cassian the chance to dry settle I always thought that they kind of played better together anyways like it was dry settle and McDavid that were working that's an interesting thought I don't disagree with you if I'd, I would I'll say this if I was going to split that second lineup like Tippett is doing tonight and honestly I hope I eat my words later on in this episode I I hope Nuge and Ennis both fit in on those lines and they tear it up but if I was Tippett what I'd rather see is Yamamoto up and Cassian on the second line and keep Nuge and Dry together with Cassian. I'd rather see that than what we're seeing tonight with Nuge. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, I agree. Line, I agree. Personally. Yeah, that's that's what I believe too. Yeah, yeah. We are we are running long and this puck is going to drop in like five minutes. So let's quickly talk about this Archibald extension. Just, I mean, really briefly, I, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about this one. Two years, 1.5 million per. Guys had uh, matched his career high, 12 goals this year and career high of 12 goals was last year too. So he's been kind of consistent as he's getting closer to his late twenties and he's got 20 points on the year. I think his career high in points is 22. So he'll likely pass that as well. And, and it's nice to see, you know, he's not really getting rewarded with like substantial, substantial money where it's like, Hey, you're having a career year. You're a solid penalty killer, bottom six guy that can play up and down the lineup he's getting rewarded with term and it's only two years. Like I, I love that deal. My only complaint is that McDavid took a cut for this team and he's still taking <laughs> 1.5 million. He should have <laughs> took 1.3. No, just kidding. He deserves some money and the contract. He should have been taking 1.36. Exactly. Yeah. Saved us the 1.5. No, similar. whatever, whatever the percentages from 11, from 15 million to 11 and a half, whatever that percentage is. Well, I guess it would be literally 1.115. Wouldn't it be? Yeah. That was, that was quick math by me there. I'm good with my tens. Quick Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, quick math. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I'm I'm happy that Archie's sticking around. Hopefully, Shahan uh, will follow up here right away with a contract signing because those two have been playing lights out um, for the majority of the season, right? So very happy with that signing. Absolutely. And I, I like that Holland's kind of getting some of his, you know, quote unquote, easier, if you will, 
work done early. Yeah, out of the right? way. Where, Doesn't like, need to worry about it in the saw summer. The cap friendly and like the Oilers, you know, we broke down the cap. You're looking forward, and it's like, yeah, you're in a good situation. But there's a lot of question marks too. With they had like what, like seven forwards committed for next year, or six at the start of the year, something like that. Now we're up to like nine or ten even. So I, I like that he's getting this, you know, getting a, a more solidified picture of what his cap situation is going to be like going into the summer. Hey everybody! So we caught the Columbus. The win against Columbus, I should say. Um, but Kyle had something come up Sunday night here, so I'm just going to do a quick kind of wrap-up of the episode. Um, obviously, that 4-1 win that the Oilers had on Sunday night was a big win, but man, I mean, I'm pretty much just regurgitating what everybody's been saying, but holy crap, they did not, you know, look that good, and Costin absolutely stole two points for us. Posted 45 of 45 saves on 46 shots. That's just absolutely ridiculous. But... Um, I did want to talk, obviously, you know, one of the things Kyle and I kind of missed when we recorded earlier is we've got the Monday night game, which will be the day you guys are listening here uh, against Vegas, which will be for first in the division. Uh, as I'm recording here, Vegas is currently up three to two on Calgary towards the end of the second period. So I don't really know if we're cheering for Calgary ick in that situation, but uh, we might, you know, we're hoping for not an overtime game. I'll say that much, but we'll see how that goes. But Oilers will be playing for first. And I think it's going to be super, super important to, I mean, not only win that game, obviously, but come out with a way more determined effort than they did in the past Vegas game that I saw live there. It was just an abysmal game in a, in a very key moment of the year. So really looking forward to that one, but it, it's going to be a, a big one. Assuming flurries in net might be Leonard as well, but I think the Oilers are really going to have to capitalize on their opportunities and, and change this, you know, tune of, of getting outshot the last week, week and a half pretty substantially in mostly every game. So really looking forward to that one, but check out our Twitter poll too. I have, you know, after Koskinen's big game and he's kind of starting to redeem himself after Smith had kind of started to take the light away a little bit in the in the goalie tandem since the new year, Costin's kind of emerged. So we have a poll up asking you if the playoffs started today for the Oilers, who would be the goalie you'd want to start in game one? So check that out. Do a quick quick vote or text into the show as well with our text line. You can you can vote that way as well if you don't have Twitter or whatever else. But um, that's going to be it for me. Hoping the uh, the Oilers have a little bit better effort tonight on Monday against the Vegas Golden Knights. And we will catch you on Thursday. Hope you guys have a great start to your week, everybody.